On the virtual Bible study tonight, we want to deal with the possibility of being able to ask God some questions and get an immediate answer from him, Monty. So that's that's our idea for discussion tonight. Would you like that? Yeah, that would be a good a good discussion, and I think we'd probably all think at least that we'd like to, that opportunity. Yeah, yeah, lots of people have the idea, if I could just ask God some direct questions. We're going to talk about that tonight. I think what we're going to find out is that God has given us all the necessary answers already. But we'll discuss that in the virtual Bible study tonight. Stay with us. We'll be right back to start the program. It's time for this week's edition of the Virtual Bible Study. The Virtual Bible Study is a live, Internet-only call-in program dedicated to the honest study and discussion of God's Word. Do you have a question about something in the Bible? Or are you simply interested in learning more about the Scriptures? If so, we hope you'll stay tuned tonight as we look into the pages of God's Word. The Virtual Bible Study is brought to you this time each week by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. You can participate in the discussion tonight by calling 931 931- one three eight one four five six seven or by emailing your questions or comments from collegeview.com we hope you'll take out your bibles and study along with us as we begin an exciting study of god's word on this edition of the virtual bible study and welcome to the virtual bible study this is the virtual bible study for thursday february the 27th my name is greg gwynn um, as you pr- can probably see if you're watching on uh, on your computer live i'm not in my normal seat i'm in the seat that jacob normally occupies he's out of pocket tonight so i'm taking his seat and in my normal seats my good friend monty overton monty welcome to the virtual bible study thank you greg it's good to be here we look forward to a discussion of things from god's truth tonight we got kyle as usual on the board kyle it's good to be here thanks for being here tonight to help us out getting us over the airways um as we said, uh, Jacob's out of pocket tonight, so we're going to try to cover the bases without him. And if there's a sort of a glitch in the uh, smoothness of the production, please excuse us for that. But we do want to look at something that I think is kind of interesting. People have the idea that they'd like to talk to God. They'd like to ask him some direct questions. In fact, we're going to base our study tonight on a survey that was taken by USA Today. This this date back this dates back a little ways, but USA Today put out a, a poll, and they asked people, "quote If you could get in contact with God directly, ask a question, and get an immediate reply, what would you ask?" Uh, that's pretty interesting, and. Uh, uh, the the responses they got to that, I believe, reveals some things about people's thoughts on spiritual matters in general. But I do think that what we'll discover is that the vast majority of the answers to the questions that people have have already been answered by God, and they're found in the Bible. Uh, and I really think, Monty, that it's important for people to realize that God has given us every essential bit of information that we need. Yeah, well, the Bible teaches us that God has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. You know, life is here on this earth. How do I need to conduct myself to to live properly on this earth? And godliness has to do with spiritual matters. Uh, how am I going to worship God? How am I going to serve God? And the Bible's been clear that God has given us everything that we need to know on that. So when we know that God's given it to us, then it, all we have to do is read it to see what it is that we need to know and then do it. Uh, Jesus promised his apostles just before he was uh, crucified and and died on the cross, resurrected, ascended to heaven. But before, just before all of that happened, in John chapter 16, verse 13, he said, uh, 
when the spirit of truth is come, he will guide you into all truth. For he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. So Jesus promised the apostles that in their lifetime, in the first century, all truth would be revealed. We believe that's all necessary truth, everything we need to know. So there's actually not a need for us to have direct access to God, uh, contact him directly as this poll question asked, get an immediate response. We don't need to contact him. We don't need immediate response because all truth, as you said, first or second Peter one, verse three, all things that pertain to life and godliness, all these things have been revealed to us. We just have to apply ourselves, uh, and study the revelation that he has left for us in the inspired word. But, you know, we're kind of lazy, I guess, Monty. Uh, I, I know back in, in my school days, I was always looking for a shortcut to get to the answer. I, I know when we had to read a book, mm-hmm. maybe write a report, I was always hoping that it was a book that the, a Cliff Notes edition yeah. had been printed for that book because I was probably just too lazy to do the research myself, to do the work of reading the book. Yeah, we're, I think as humans that way, we want to take shortcuts. We want to get away, get out of doing the hard things if we can. But sometimes there's not a shortcut. Sometimes it's just got to, okay, here's the work I've got to do, and I need to buckle down and do it. Exactly right. So we're going to deal with the responses that people gave. Earlier today to our update list, we sent out these questions that people had, questions that people want to ask God. Um from the USA Today survey. And so we're just going to kind of walk our way down through these in our discussion tonight. And if you have comments on any of these things, please uh, get in the chat room. Uh, Monty will be monitoring the chat room as we go along tonight. You can send us an email to questions at collegeview.com. You can call us at one eight seven seven three eight one. Four five six seven. We always think our program is better when we get audience participation. So help us out. Participate with us on the program tonight. So earlier today, I sent out the update indicating what these questions would be. If you're not on our update list, get on it by sending an email to questions at collegeview.com. But here's what people wanted to ask. 34% of people, better than one out of three, what is my purpose here? Second, 19% wanted to know, will I have life after death? Third, 16% said, why do bad things happen? Fourth, 7% said, is there intelligent life elsewhere? Fifth, 6%, exactly how long will I live? And finally, the last on the list, although it was a little higher percentage, 12% of people didn't know what to ask which I thought was kind of interesting. All right, so let's dive into that. The first one is, what is my purpose here? I think there's a simple answer to that. You're here to function and and perform in such a way to bring glory to the one who created you. You know, if, if I was an inventor and I made something, it would, it would, I would want my invention to do as I had invented it to do. Uh, that way the invention would be appreciated and me as its inventor would be appreciated for having created something maybe that is a very useful tool mm-hmm. or something that functions to the benefit of mankind. Now that's a very, very elementary illustration of it, but here we are, the whole, the whole creation, uh, made by God, 
is designed to glorify him. And we are a part of that creation. And our our purpose for existence uh, is to glorify him. Isaiah 43, 7. I have created him for my glory. I have formed him. Yea, I have made him. Um, so our our purpose here is to live in such a way to make God look good, glorify him. Uh, I, I think that's pretty straightforward. I think that is what we ought to do. You got a thought on that one, Monty? Well, yeah, God, you know, we, we, I think we take after the nature of God to send some respect to that because you see people that do things. Something that came to my mind was a TV show or a movie. When it's going off, there's credits there. Everybody that was involved in the production of of this movie. If it's want, a bad movie, you wish your name wasn't yeah. there. But, but if, if it's, it's a, a good movie, they yeah. got their name in the credits and they want everybody to know they getting that. They want that little bit of glory ascribed to them yeah. for having done that. And so we we can see that we can understand that. Well, God created us, and He wants us to do things and to conduct our life in such a way to glorify Him. Uh, in Ecclesiastes twelve thirteen, it says, "Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter: fear God and keep His commandments, for this is the whole duty of man." When we fear God, it's not necessarily talking about shaking in our shoes of scared of him which that might some to some extent be appropriate but it's talking about respect god and keep his commandments when we do that we're honoring god and we're bringing glory to him and so that that's what we're supposed to do is live our life in a way that glorifies god exactly right kyle any thoughts oh our purpose well i think it's a noble thought but i don't think we need to dwell too much on it we need to focus on our purpose to god serving god keeping his commandments that's the whole purpose of man it's the whole duty of man I think that is our focus. We need to focus on our service to God utmost. And that and brings glory to him. It is absolutely. Exactly right. Uh, Kent from Georgia used the same verse Monty just referenced, Ecclesiastes 12, 13, and 14. Here the conclusion, the whole matter, fear God, keep his commandments for this, the whole duty of man. Dwight in Iowa sent in a response and said, there are multiple reasons why I'm here, but the important ones are first to teach the lost. He references Matthew 28, 18 through 20, the Great Commission, uh, 2 Timothy 2, verse 2, the things that you've heard from me in the presence of many witnesses and trust these to faithful men who will be able to teach others. So first to teach, secondly, to be a good example. Uh, he references 1 Timothy 4, verse 12, and 1 Corinthians 11, verse 1. Thirdly, he says, my purpose is to encourage my fellow brethren. He references Hebrews 10, verses 24 and 25. And fourth, he says, help those that I can and keep myself unspotted from the world. Uh, James 1, verse 27. Really good. Uh, uh, Dwight, uh, he, he meant, so he has four things that he thinks are the important reasons why he's here. To teach the lost, to be an example, to encourage his brethren, and to help others uh, and keep himself pure in this world. Uh, that's really good. You see, he quoted scriptures for each of those. Yeah. Those are commandments of God. So if we're fearing God and keeping his commandments, we're going to be doing them things and thereby bringing glory to God. I think exactly right. And and I do appreciate the emphasis on citing the scriptures. Uh, where would we get? So where are we going to get these answers? We're going to get them from scripture. Mm-hmm. I mean, that, uh, we're not going to dream up the answers because we're not God. And we don't have we don't know the mind of God except for the, what he has revealed of himself in the scriptures. The only way we would know what we're here for, what our purpose is, what did our creator create us for is let him tell us in the word of God. In the chat room here, there's a person named Kelly. Ask a question, I think, in line with 
if we could ask God questions, which is what we're talking about tonight. Do you think Isaiah 45 verses 9 and 10 teaches that it's wrong for us to question God? Uh, Isaiah 45, 9 and 10 says, Woe to him who strives with his maker. Let the potsherd strive with the potsherds of the earth. Shall the clay say to him who forms it, What are you making? Or shall your handiwork say, He has no hands? Woe to him who says to his father, What are you begetting? Or to the woman, What have you brought forth? Uh, the impression I get here in this passage in Isaiah, it's not that they're asked so much that it's asking God a question. It's that it's asking him critically. You know, what are you doing? Like we think we've got a better idea or, or that we're really in a position to question critically what God's doing. I don't think it's necessarily saying we shouldn't wonder uh, about things or look for an answer. Yeah, I think there's two kinds of questions. One question is I just need to know. There, I think this is a worthy question. What's my purpose here? Why mm-hmm. am I here? What am I supposed to be doing? The other, but there's a whole other category of questions, and I think it's what Isaiah was talking about there, in which we're challenging God. Mm-hmm. And it reminds me of the book of Job. You know, in Job, and Job, and he got to the point where he was basically criticizing God and 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 really challenging God for what he was doing. Uh, and basically, Job said this. If I had a chance to tell, talk to God, I'd, I'd get an answer. I'd get an answer. And then when God gave him the opening, he said, I'm going to shut my mouth. Yeah, I've done said too much. Yeah. So uh, I think Kelly's comment there is probably right. We should never ask challengingly, why has God done so? But it is it is good to have questions. But again, knowing that God has already provided us the answers, look for them. Search mm-hmm. them out in the scripture. Um, Daniel in Florida says to the question, what is my purpose here? He references Romans eight twenty nine. For whom did he foreknow? He also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. He says we are here to be conformed to the image of his son. I'm, I, I buy mm-hmm. that. I think that's a good answer. And what was the and and what was the image of the son? What did he do? In John eight verse twenty nine, Jesus said, "I do always those things that please him." So we want to be like Jesus. What Jesus did was do what he everything that he that he was supposed to do to please the Father. Yeah. All right, that gets us through our answers from our emailers. We got a, a good uh, comment there in the chat room. Uh, we're just uh, ready for our first break of the hour. Uh, stay tuned. We're going to continue on the other side. And the next question that, that was in this survey list is, will I have life after death? Okay, let's let's see what the scriptures say about that. Stick with us. We'll be back right after this break. Did you hear what they just said? Call in during this break and let everyone know what you think. The virtual Bible study continues after this announcement. I'm Greg Gwynn, a host of the Virtual Bible Study. Thanks for joining us for tonight's program. The Virtual Bible Study is presented weekly by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. Each week on the Virtual Bible Study, we simply engage in a study of God's Word in an effort to better understand it, better understand how God views us, and better understand what He wants from us in our lives. We're not studying any creeds. We're not studying any books written by men. We're just studying the Bible. And we're trying to study the Bible alone without any of our opinions or wisdom mixed in. We're only interested in what our Creator has revealed to to us in his word. We realize that we're fallible and cannot direct our own steps. As a result, what we think or feel doesn't really matter. All that matters is what God has said. So that's what the virtual Bible study is all about. It's pretty simple, isn't it? Thanks again for joining us tonight, and we we'll hope you'll make plans to join us every Thursday night for the virtual Bible study. Here's some quotes worth pondering. 
The measure of man is seen in the things which he allows to annoy him. A person who can't lead and won't follow is really nothing more than a roadblock. You can definitely judge the character of a man by observing how he treats those who can do nothing for him. If money talks, it usually sends the wrong message. Man, wish I'd said that. A streaming Bible study. Why didn't I think of that? Now back to the guys. And we're back on the virtual Bible study. What we're doing in our program tonight is we're reviewing a survey that was published a while back in USA Today. And basically they polled people with this question. If you could get in contact with God directly and ask a question and get an immediate reply, what would you ask? The, 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 the most highly rated question that people wanted to ask is, why am I here? And I think we've answered that pretty clearly. I think the Bible answers that very clearly. Uh, we just got to accept that answer. Our purpose is, is to obey and glorify our God in heaven, the one who created us. The next question asked was, will I have life after death? Now, I think this is another one of those questions, Monty, that has an answer in the Bible. It, it, the, the, the scriptures definitely, I mean, very, very thoroughly address that question. And the answer is simple. Yes, there is existence beyond the grave. You know, as I was thinking about that today and where I was listening to the Bible at work, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 15 is just filled with an argument of that there is a resurrection of the dead. We will have life after death. There is a place that we're going. Uh, Paul Ar- makes that argument that we know that because Jesus was raised. Uh, Jesus told his apostles, I'm going to go to prepare a place for you, and if I go, I'm going to come back and get you. Uh, so just repeatedly through the Bible, uh, we we know that we have life after death. And Jesus even made an argument to the Sadducees that didn't believe in a life after death that uh God said, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and that he was, that he was the God of live people, not dead people. They've been, they've been physically dead yeah, for, for thousands centuries. of years. And, and yet Jesus said, I, I God, God's answer was, I am the God. He, mm-hmm. he was speak, actually that's a quote when he was speaking to Moses at the burning bush. Yeah. And when he when he was speaking to Moses at the burning bush, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob had been dead for centuries. Mm-hmm. And yet God still said, I am their God, which and, and Jesus was basing his whole argument there on the tense of that verb. Yeah. It wasn't I was the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. It, it, it He said, I am still am. They must still exist because I'm still their God mm-hmm. is the argument that Jesus was making, which I think is really neat because you know, his whole sometimes we wonder how 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 thoroughly inspired are the scriptures. Jesus believed they were so thoroughly inspired that he could base an argument based upon the tense of a verb in yeah. a statement from God. Uh, and, and yet, uh, but but the point is, yeah, there is definitely an existence beyond the grave. Now, uh, uh, we mentioned the book of Job earlier. In Job fourteen fourteen, the question is asked, if a man dies, shall he live again? And the answer was in chapter 19, beginning verse 25, as, uh, and as for me, I know that my Redeemer lives. Even after my skin is destroyed, I shall see God. Mm-hmm. So uh, the book of Job is really an ancient book, maybe one of the oldest ones uh, in, in our Bibles. It was, we think maybe that Job was a contemporary of Abraham, mm-hmm. at least back in that time frame. It goes way, way back. Uh, but even back in that time, men understood that there is an existence beyond the grave. Now, that's not to say 
that it's going to be something that everybody likes. Yeah. You know, they, I think the implication <clears throat> of the question is, oh, yeah, well, there'll be a, a, a pleasant existence on the mm-hmm. other side of death. Not necessarily so. Not for everyone, yeah. but the, in the providence of God and his wisdom, uh, he's provided us the information that we can know about where our potential place is to be in the life after death. He's made it clear to us that there's a place of, of paradise, a place of rest and comfort if we live according to the rules and statutes that he set forth for us. And he's also made it clear that if we do not live according to those rules and statutes, there's a place of punishment for us. That's made clear in the Old Testament as well as in the New Testament. So we know that, yes, there is a life after death, and we have, and we get to choose where we want to go. You know, that's a, a, a wonderful thing. It's not that uh, we're destined or doomed, you might say, to a life, to an afterlife of punishment, or we're going to have to go to heaven, you know. But God's made it available for us and said, here's the two places. You, you pick one yeah. and then go there. The, the 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 good picture of what you were just describing, Monty, is that story of the rich man and Lazarus in Luke chapter Luke Luke chapter sixteen. We won't take time to read that, and I think our listeners are very familiar with that. But we believe that this pictures, I it definitely pictures what happens when men die, it, because it talks about Lazarus and the rich man. It says. Uh, in verse 22, it came to pass that the beggar, Lazarus, died, was carried by the angels to Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. So they both died. What happened to him? In Hades, he lifted up his eyes, being in torments, and seeth Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. So they both died, but they went to different kinds of destinations. This, by the way, we think and believe and understand that Hades is where spirits go to await the final resurrection. This is not final heaven and hell this is this is an intermediate state where departed spirits go to await the final resurrection but in that place there's a place of comfort paradise abraham's bosom or there's a place of torment and the and and the tormented place uh the rich man said uh have mercy on me and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue for I am tormented in this flame. It's hard to imagine a torment of that nature. But Abraham said, no, can't be done. I mean, this is, this is, this is a done deal. We can't come to you. You can't come to us. There's a great gulf fixed between us. And so, yes, there's an existence beyond the grave. But even Abraham told him, as we've been talking tonight about having answers and that the answers are found in the Bible, Abraham told that man, said, because he said, we'll send somebody back to my brothers so they don't come, have to come to this place of torment. He said, they've got Moses and the prophets. Abraham said, God has revealed to them the information they need to avoid going just, to torment. Just do it. Yeah, just do it. Um, in Matthew 25, Jesus, there's a long passage there uh, in Matthew 25, beginning about verse 31, where Jesus describes the final judgment scene. Mm-hmm. Uh, Matthew 25, beginning verse 31, when the Son of Man shall come in his glory and all the holy angels with him, then shall he sit on the throne of his glory and before him shall be gathered all nations and he shall separate them one from another as a shepherd divided his sheep from the goats and he shall set the sheep on his right hand, but the goats on his left to those on his left hand, he says, these shall go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous to life eternal. So, yeah, there's something beyond the grave, but it's not necessarily something that everybody is going to like. Kyle, any thought? Well, that's, as you say, the Bible clearly multiple times about the Old Testament and New. We have to be expecting 
that there will be something after death. We don't need to be wondering, you know, it just, it's just yeah, the Bible and life and God answers that question as all of these in uh, thorough detail throughout the Bible. So, okay, right. Uh, Kent in Georgia says, as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. First Corinthians fifteen twenty two. You mentioned First Corinthians fifteen money a minute ago, and then he mentions Hebrews nine twenty seven. It is appointed a man once to die, but after this the judgment. Uh, Dwight in Iowa says, I believe life, eternal life, does exist. Uh, Paul said so in First Corinthians fifteen again, and and he references verses fifteen. Or excuse me, verses 51 through 53. Uh, Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trump. For the trump shall sound and the dead will be raised imperishable and we will be changed. For this perishable must put on imperishable and this mortal must put on immortality. Uh, now we can be in that number that is resurrected in, in the favorable sense that Paul was uh, referencing there because God made it possible through the gift of his own son, John three sixteen, uh, John six sixty one. Jesus said, I'm the living bread that came down out of heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread also, which I give for the life of the world is my flesh. So Dwight was sort of concentrating on the, on the positive side of existence beyond the grave, which is wonderful to contemplate, but we got to make preparations to be there. Uh, Daniel in Florida says, will I have life after death? He references John 5, 28 and 29. All in the grave will hear his voice and come forth. Those that have done good to the resurrection of life. Those that have done evil to the resurrection of damnation. There's that. Every, every person who's ever lived is going to be resurrected. But there's going to be two destinies that they'll mm-hmm. be sent to eternally, either the resurrection of life or the resurrection of damnation. So that, that's a, a certainly an important question to ask, but clearly the Bible answers that question. We just need to be willing to accept the answers that are given. Let's quickly dive into the next one in this list. This is from the survey by USA Today. People want to ask God, and a big question on people's mind is, why do bad things happen? I, I think that's a, uh, a question that a lot of people have in mind. Because there, there's a lot of tragedy and pain and suffering, uh, all kinds of hurt and death in the world. And I think people have a, a, a reasonable desire to know why do things happen. Sometimes you even hear it maybe more pointed toward God. Why does God let bad things happen? Uh, which I, that may go to the question that was asked earlier in the chat room. You know, is it, is it right to challenge or ask God? Uh, I don't think the bad things that are in the world are God's fault because we know that when God created everything in Genesis chapter one, after he'd created everything, it says he saw that everything was very good. It wasn't just good. It was very good. There was perfection in the earth. The way God created it and when it was the way he wanted it to be, there was no suffering and death. Mm. Everything was perfect. But what changed was uh, that man chose to disobey God. Sin entered the world and and the very many different consequences of sin came upon mankind. Uh, in Genesis 3, beginning verse 17, uh, Adam uh, to Adam. 
God said to Adam after he had sinned, Genesis 3, beginning verse 17, Because thou hast hearkened unto the voice of thy wife, and hast eaten of the tree of which I commanded thee, saying, Thou shalt not eat of it. Cursed is the ground for thy sake, and sorrow shalt thou eat of it all the days of thy life. Thorns and also and thistles shalt it bring forth to thee, and thou shalt eat the herb of the field, and the sweat of thy face shalt thou eat bread, till thou return to the ground, for out of it was thou taken. For dust thou art, and to dust thou shalt return. That's pretty much describing some some of the... Bad consequences that came in the world because of sin, Monty. Typically, we're wherever we are in life because of the choices we've made. Now, there's sometimes things happen to us like we'll get a, a disease of some sort, maybe cancer or something. We didn't choose to get that. Uh, or maybe we'll be injured in a car wreck that somebody else has got drunk and crosses a line and hurts us in a car wreck. We didn't choose that. But what we have to understand that as a result of choices that others have made, bad things happen. If I choose poorly, I can I can negatively affect your life. If I choose poorly, I can negatively affect my life. I cause, you know, man has caused the bad things to happen to us. Uh, because Adam chose to sin, God cursed the ground, and there's consequences of that that we have come to that have continued on for us, we still have to deal with some consequences of that. Not the guilt of his sin, but there are consequences of it. Exactly. So mostly bad things happen because people choose poorly. So in answer to that question, why do bad things happen? In the broad general sense, bad things happen because we live in a world that's been affected by sin. Mm -hmm. A lot of the suffering that people have they bring upon themselves by making bad choices. Yeah. Not all. Not no, always. No, sometimes I could suffer. Sometimes I could suffer because someone else made a bad mm-hmm. decision. Sometimes I suffer just because it's the nature of life in this world. Uh, but uh, but that again, don't blame God for that happening because when God had it the way He wanted it to be, those things weren't there. Those things weren't there. Everything was perfect. Kyle, any thought? I mean, we're all free moral agents, and we have our own. We make decisions that affect other people. We may not have ramifications we may not know of that have affected somebody negatively. But we, why do bad things happen? It's because of sin. And uh, sometimes in the Old Testament, we read about things that happened because of their own sin. David had a terrible tragedy to his life that he didn't question God. He he. He knew that there was the consequences of his he, own he sin. He accepted it, yeah. And he accepted it. He has to. It's, and yeah. he carries on. He gave glory to God in the end. Yeah. So yeah. carry forward. Yeah. Um, one verse along this line, First Peter 4, beginning verse 15. Let none of you suffer as a murderer or as a thief or as an evildoer or as a busybody in other men's matters. Yet if any man suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God on this behalf. Notice, you could suffer... Because you've been a murderer or a thief or an evildoer or a busybody. You bring suffering upon yourself. And, and, and Peter's inspired instruction there is don't do that. Don't live in such a way that you bring suffering on yourself for these kind of evils that you did yourself. Mm-hmm. But he says, it may be that a man suffers a Christian. If, if so, he says, don't be ashamed. Glorify God on this behalf. So I think Peter dealt with both possibilities. You caused it. Or maybe somebody else caused it. You don't, you don't want to live in such a way that you cause suffering for yourself. And the way we avoid that is to live the way that God told us to live mm-hmm. in the scriptures. Well, but the Bible also tells us that if we're living godly the way we should be, that we're going to suffer persecution. 
So, but then that's still because somebody chose to to sin by doing that. So bad things happen because people choose to sin, and it's just that simple. But the book of Ecclesiastes always also tells us that time and chance happen to all men. So sometimes good things happen to us just due to dumb luck, and sometimes bad things happen to us just doing because of dumb luck. We was at the wrong place at the wrong time. Yep. But if the challenge there is not to blame it on God or not to question God about it, but to accept, okay, something bad happened, i got to make the most of it. i got to find a way to make the best of it, and i got to find a way to stay faithful to God and bring glory to him. As we was talking about what's my purpose, my purpose is to no matter what my circumstances are in this life, to find a way to bring glory to God in it. Exactly right. Kent in Georgia says, There are times when personal wrong choices, even personal sinful choices, bring suffering. Judges 6, verse 1, 1 Peter 4, verse 15. Because God grants us free will, he thus limits his own activity. There are times when wrong, even sinful choices of others, bring about suffering. People can often do determined to commit sin, and innocent people suffer the consequences. Romans 2, verse 11. Much of the world's suffering is the cumulative result of the freedom of choice that was abused by generations of the ancient past. He references Exodus 20, verses 5 and 6. Adam and Eve were originally unaffected by disease and death. However, when they sinned, they were deprived of the tree of life. Genesis three twenty-two and 23. We did not inherit their sin. However, we did uh, however, we did inherit the conditions that they introduced into the world. Romans 5, verse 12. Um, Dwight in Iowa says, Second Timothy 3, 12 says, All who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus shall be persecuted. And uh, Daniel in Florida says, uh, according to Romans 8, beginning verse 18, that the creation has been made subject to corruption because of sin, Romans 5, verse 12. And so I think those are all good answers along the lines of what we were discussing. It's an important question. Why do bad things happen? I think that really bothers a lot of people. Uh, we have some real good insights to the answer to that in the inspired word. We just need to accept it. We're going to grab a break. Kelly in the chat room first says, As Christians, we're told this life will be hard. In Psalm chapter 34, 34 verse 19 uh thirty four nineteen says many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. So the Bible's been made it clear to us that we're gonna to have tough times. Even if sometimes. you're a righteous person. <clears throat> even if you're yeah. a good person, there's gonna be some hard times. And and so we just we accept we need to accept this as the reality of our existence here. Mm-hmm. But to the previous question, the life beyond death, we can be free from all of that in that eternal existence with God if we if live we right. follow his plan. Yeah, exactly right. We'll grab a break. We'll be back right after this break for this week's bullet point. Well, Kyle can't get it to go. There she goes. Are you listening? There's going to be a test on this stuff. Stay tuned. The virtual Bible study will be right back after this. Hello, everyone. I'm Monty, a member of the College View Church of Christ. So if you've been hearing all about the College View Church of Christ on the virtual Bible study and are interested in finding out more about the church, but you live hundreds of miles away from Columbia, Tennessee, and can't come and visit with the congregation to find out more, there's no reason to fear. After all, we live in the 21st century. Here's what you can do to find out more about the College View Church of Christ. First, why don't you check out our website while you're listening to the virtual Bible study? You'll find important information about the church there, including bulletin articles there on various subjects and can even listen to sermons that have been presented at the College View Church in the past. Secondly, if you have questions about the church or about any Bible teaching, 
why don't you send an email to us and let us know how we can help. Send your questions to questions at collegeview.com. That address, once again, is questions at collegeview.com. We can even have a personal Bible study with you over email if you desire. And finally, if you would rather talk with someone in person, give us a call at 931-381-4567. That's 931-381-4567. You can call this number anytime. If you don't get an answer, leave a message and we'll call you back as soon as we can. We're glad you're listening to the virtual Bible study and hope to hear from you soon. This is Greg Wynn with this week's bullet point. As the children of God, we are to be different from people of this world, Romans 12 verse 2 says. We'd like to challenge you to do a little personal evaluation and see if you are really different. For example, are you different in the way you dress? Too many Christians allow the fashion trends of a godless society to dictate how they dress. When God's children can be seen wearing swimming suits, shorts, halters, and the like, how can we say that we are different from the world? Are you different in the way you talk? We've heard Christians using swear words, telling dirty jokes, and using other forms of coarse speech. Usually those who do so are seldom found speaking the precious word of truth. How are we different? Are you different the way you act? When the people of God go to all the same places and do all the same things that the people of the world do, how can they claim to be different? Many, if not most, of the movies shown today are unfit for viewing by the faithful child of God. Television is full of all sorts of ungodliness, yet Christians are watching it all and imitating the sinful things they see. It ought not to be so. Smoking, social drinking, dancing, sexual immorality, and a host of other sinful deeds are all too prevalent among those who call themselves Christians. Are you different in how you serve God? All of this really boils down to a lack of willingness to humbly submit to God. The majority of the people of the world like to give lip service to God, yet they proceed to do as they please. Some Christians are not far behind. They serve God only when it pleases them and only when it serves their purpose, not God's purpose. Christian, how are you different? If you're living like God expects you to live, it will become obvious. Others will, quote, think it's strange that you run not with them to the same excess of riot. First Peter 4, verse 4. That's this week's bullet point. Think about it. Broadcasting around the world with truth that are out of this world. The Virtual Bible Study. Take it away, guys. And we're back on the Virtual Bible Study. We want to remind you that the Virtual Bible Study is brought to you by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. You can find out more about us by going to our website, as Monty just mentioned uh, in that previous ad, <laughs> collegeview.com. Find out about us there or send us a question. You can always email us, questions at collegeview.com. Uh, we'll try to respond to the questions that you have. Thanks for listening tonight. Uh, we're talking about uh, a survey conducted by USA Today, in which they said, if you could ask God a direct question and get an immediate answer, what would you like to ask God? And we've been working through the responses that people gave, and we're ready for uh, the one that this was number four on the list, the most popular things that people, questions that people had. Uh, and it was, is there intelligent life elsewhere? Money, I'm not sure there's intelligent life here necessarily, but that was my first. That was my first thought. Why would we worry about somewhere else? We're just trying to find it here. Yeah. Uh, but there, there has been this. There's great interest uh, in, in this sort of thing. Uh, there's a, there's a thing. There, there's a program called SETI. S E T I. Search for extraterrestrial intelligence. Mm-hmm. It was a. It was originally a government program. The government defunded it, and I guess in some cost-cutting measures a while back, but it's been restarted by private funding, uh, and and so uh, th- this effort 
I think it was initially started by Carl Sagan. Carl Sagan's dead now, but he was an unbelieving atheist uh, evolutionist who really was pretty aggressively outspoken against God, against people who who believe in God. Uh, it's it's interesting that that these people typically like Carl Sagan. They want to deny the obvious signs of intelligence in the creation, mm-hmm. in the universe, but they're wanting to look for some in- intelligence out there. Uh, and so they've got great listening antennas uh, trying to pick up signals from far distant outer space that might indicate that there's some intelligent life form out there. Is there intelligence elsewhere in the universe, Monty? Uh, yes, there is. Uh, as we, as you mentioned, look at creation. We look at the world and the design of it and how everything functions together properly. Uh, we can see that that had to have been done, uh, and it, the phrase I, you hear quite often is intelligent design. Uh, we believe we know who the designer was. The Bible reveals to us God was the designer and the creator of, earth, of the earth. And if we look at what he's built, we can see a vast, limitless intelligence so, that, uh, that was required to make this uh, the whole unimaginable universe. intelligence. Yeah. Is out there, yeah, and God Himself. Uh, you know, Psalm people 91. want to deny God, like you said about that Carl Sagan. He's looking for intelligence, and when he finds it, because it didn't come served up to him exactly the way he wanted it, then he wanted to wanted to deny it. But we know that there's intelligence out there, and we know who it is. We have a name for it. We can't we see it with our eyes, but we know it has to be there. The evidence tells us that it is there. Psalm 19, verse 1, the heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament showeth his handiwork. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, there's intelligence uh, in the universe, actually intelligence that lies behind the universe and, and created the universe. It's the, it's the eternal force that created the physical universe that we know. Now, I'm I'm pretty sure... That that's not a satisfactory answer to the people who are asking the question, mm-hmm. but it is the the right answer. It's the most important answer. Yes, there is intelligence that's that's extra earthly, if you will. It's God. Uh, but beyond that, okay, to the to what I think they probably are asking, uh, is there a planet off someplace out there in distant outer space where there are people? Where there are where there are creatures, where there are, where there are life forms similar to life that we see on planet Earth, I got to tell you, uh, the the Bible doesn't address that question, mm-hmm. uh, and and so we would have to put that in the category of things we couldn't answer from the Bible, but we don't need to answer. Uh, Deuteronomy twenty nine twenty nine says the secret things belong unto God, mm-hmm. and so if he decided to put life forms. In other places in the universe, he didn't tell us about it. It wasn't something we needed to know. And so to, to speculate or comment on that, you, you couldn't do so from the Bible. You just simply can't address that question uh, from the Bible. If if Is there other life form in the physical universe? Uh, I, I couldn't say. Um, here's what Kent said. He said, I'm not aware of any empirical evidence from science Neither am I of any uh, uh, evidence contemplatively set forth in the scriptures that points to such a conclusion. However, regardless of the case, I am accountable to God under the New Testament of Christ to accept God's divinely revealed truth, obey it, and live faithfully to such regardless whether there is intelligent life elsewhere or not. 
In Second Corinthians 5, verse 10, he references, which talks about the fact that we are going to be judged by the things that we do mm-hmm. in our bodies. Uh, Daniel in Florida asked, uh, he, he references First Peter 1, verse 12, and asked, do angels count? Well, I would say yes. They're, 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 not only is there God, there are other spirit beings mm-hmm. that exist in the spirit world, but it's not the physical world. It's not the physical universe. So again, that may not be an answer that necessarily pleases those who ask the question. But again, that, that might be a curiosity, but it's not an essential thing. And the thing that we're wanting to point out is that the answers that matter, the answers that we have to have, We've got in the word of God. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I again, I don't know if that's a completely satisfactory answer to people ask. Kent, uh, Kyle, any question? Any thoughts? No, you said it. I mean, if, there very well may be, but it doesn't matter to us. It doesn't affect our position and our ability, our our allegiance to God. So we don't have to know. I uh, remember as just a child asking that question to my dad. And uh, he said, I don't know. The Bible doesn't say. But he says, we know that God sent Jesus to be the Savior of the world. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth him should not perish but have everlasting life, John 3, 16. So uh, it, 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 that seems to, I mean, if you want to try to build a speculative argument, that seems to indicate something special here that's not true elsewhere. Well, it might get back to arguing like we were talking about Jesus made an argument on a verb tense. It might be back to making an argument on whether a word was singular or plural. He said the world, not the worlds or the potential worlds, but the world. And if that says there's one, and so if we wanted maybe to make that type of argument, no, there's only this world that there is because Jesus said the world. Exactly right. Uh, We're going to grab our last break, and then we're going to race to the top of the hour. Stay with us on the Virtual Bible Study. We'll be back right after this break. After these important messages, we'll be back to take your comments. Email them during this break. This is Stephen Nicholson, a member of the College View Church of Christ, and I want to invite you to be a regular participant on the virtual Bible study. Your input by way of emails and phone calls are always welcome during the live program. We're also open to your suggestions about possible topics for discussion on upcoming editions of the program. We'd love to hear from you anytime. We're tracking the trends on the virtual Bible study. Recent research shows that the unchurched are becoming less responsive to churches' efforts to connect with them. An invitation from a friend is the top-rated way churches can establish connections with the unchurched. However, 20 years ago, 65% of Americans were open to being invited to church by a friend. Today, that percentage has slipped to 47%. In every outreach method surveyed, the unchurched are less open today than they were two decades ago. For instance, pastoral home visits are only effective 27% now, down from 34%. A phone call from a church, 24% now, down from 34%. This is especially true for advertising, including TV, radio, or newspaper, 18% down from 20%. Direct mailings, 16% down from 24%. And billboard ads, 14% down from 21%. That information is via barnet.org. The Word of God says in Matthew 13, verse 15, For this people's heart has grown dull, and with their ears they can barely hear, and their eyes they have closed, lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and turn, and I would heal them. 
Missed a recent virtual Bible study program? Listen to any of our past programs from the archive section of our website. Now, back to the virtual Bible study. And we're back on the virtual Bible study, going to the top of the hour, asking the questions that people said they would like to ask God if they could ask him. But what we're finding out is that the necessary answers to the really important questions people have already been supplied for us in the Word of God. The the next one on the list, Monty, was people would like to know exactly how long will I live? Now, I got I don't know. I, do you really want to know that? You, you know, to me, it'd be almost like maybe being on death row and knowing you got three months, you know, yeah. at three, th- three months, two days and 16 hours until they're going to pull mm-hmm. the switch in the electric. I, I don't know. If, I don't think that'd be a very pleasant thought to know exactly how long you're going to live. Yeah. Um, if we knew exactly how we was going to live, as it was used to phrase we've used before, it would sort of be an invitation to low living. Yeah. If I knew exactly when I was going to die, then I could go and live it up and do whatever I wanted to, be and, disobedient to God, because I know that in three months, 11 days and 18 seconds or something is when I'm going to die. So in three months and 10 days, I'm going to repent and get right with God. And so as it is... What God has told us and revealed to us is that we don't know how long we're going to live and that we're supposed to be ready all the time. Yeah, I think you're exactly right. If we knew what the day of our dying was going to be, then we would delay obedience and we would engage in sinful, self-destructive behavior. Mm -hmm. Instead of that, God in his wisdom asks us to accept his will for our lives. And when we do that, no matter how long we live, our lives are made better. We, we, we are kept free from heartache and grief and all the trouble that sin brings into our lives. And so God has actually done us a favor by, by not telling us when we were going to die. James chapter 4 beginning verse 13. Go to ye that say today or tomorrow we will go into such a city and continue there a year and buy and sell and get gain. Whereas you know not what shall be on the morrow. For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time, then vanisheth away. And so uh, um, James there addresses the idea of the uncertainty of life. And actually, when we stop to think about it, it's a blessing that we don't know for sure the time of our death. Monty? Well, I thought again about Ecclesiastes in, in chapter 9, verses 11 and 12. Uh, it's talking about that. Uh, where it says time and chance happen to all men. It says the race is not to the swift, the battle not to the strong, nor bread to the wise, nor riches to men of understanding, nor favor uh, to men of skill, but time and chance happen to them all. For man does not know his time like a fish taken in a creel net, like birds caught in a snare. Uh, the songs of men are snared in evil, and when it fall, it says it falls suddenly upon them. So he's talking about here, and especially in verse 12, is we don't know when our time is going to be up. Yeah. Uh, we don't have any way of knowing that. And so, again, it, I believe it's telling us that we need to be prepared all the time. Yeah. We need to make sure we're right with God because since we don't know, it could be right now, and we need to be ready. Yeah. Uh, Kelly in the chat room also says, asked the question, says this this question here, exactly how long would I live? He said, could this question be under the category of foolish and ignorant speculations meant, mentioned to Timothy as things to avoid in Second Timothy 2, 23? And that says, but avoid foolish and ignorant disputes, knowing that they generate strife. Um, I don't get the impression that that question would really be that, because the type of questions he's talking about here is strange questions about the revelation that God's given us, and people want to 
and some ways question what God's revelation is or cast off on it, and it talks about uh, causing strife. So I don't think this question of wanting to know how long you live would be something that would cause strife. But still, it boils down to we don't have any way of knowing. And, I, again, I, I want to reiterate that I really think it's in our best interest not yeah. to know. Because we all, as human beings, are prone to procrastination, mm-hmm. put off doing what you know you ought to do. And, like you said earlier, if I thought I knew exactly when I was going to die, I'm, then I'm just going to live a wicked, sinful life. I'm going to try to enjoy carnal pleasures of life right up to just the just the day before I die, and then I'm going to get rid of all that and repent and try to make myself right with God. Mm-hmm. And in the process, I'd be hurting myself. And others. Uh, and others by doing that. Um, Kent uh, in his email says, we really do not know for certain how long we will live. Some will live longer than others based upon DNA. Others will live longer because of practicing a healthy and clean lifestyle, Ephesians 6, verses 2 and 3. Some will be living when Christ returns, even though we do not know when such will occur, 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty one and following. The crucial aspect regarding this is personal obedience to the gospel of Christ, followed by faithful living. Revelation 2, verse 10, which says, Be thou faithful until death, or be faithful till, unto death, and I'll give thee a crown of life. Uh, Dwight says, No man knows how long they will live upon the face of the earth, but in heaven it will be for eternity. Daniel says, uh, Psalm 90, beginning verse 9, we're not given the the exacts, but it's clear we, that we will soon run short on time. Let me read that. I'm not, I, don't, I can't recall that text in my mind, so let me read it. Psalm 90, beginning verse 9, for our days are passed away in thy wrath. We spend our years as a tale that is told. The days of our years are threescore years and ten. If by reason of strength they be fourscore years, yet is their, yet is their strength Labor and sorrow, for it is soon cut off and we fly away. Um, who knoweth the power of thine anger, even according to thy fear, so is thy wrath. So teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. Well, that is a familiar text, especially verse 10 speaks about the the life expectancy is three score and 10 or 70. And maybe mm-hmm. if you're a strong man, you might live to 80. But even at that, it's going to seem short. Yeah. Very brief. Kyle? Uh, I guess... On the first hand, like you, when you first thought, you may want to think, yeah, it would be good to know because you can think about all the good you could do <clears> if you knew how long you were going to live. But I do think uh, the folly of man, we eventually would be like, you know what, i got time. I'll just wait about doing those good things. So I think it's uh, – I don't think it's good for us to know. Yeah, I think right. And, and I, it, what it does is it exposes God's wisdom mm-hmm. and the fact that he, he knew that it was in our best interest not to know. All right, so those were the questions – in order of rank, they came in this way to the USA Today survey. If you could get in contact with God directly and ask a question, get an immediate reply, what would you ask? So here's, here's the way they ranked. What is my purpose here? Will I have life after death? Why do bad things happen? Is there intelligent life elsewhere? Exactly how long will I live? Well, those were the top five questions. But there were 12% of the respondents to that poll who didn't know what they would ask God. Uh, I guess there's a couple ways to look at that, Monty. I would hope that the reason a lot of people have no idea what to ask God is because they feel like they've got all the information they need. However, I don't think that's probably the case there. Well, as as I thought about that question, and we kind of talked about it some before the program tonight, basically every question that we would probably ask God 
has already been revealed to us when we have it in the scriptures. Uh, as I thought about it, the one thing I might would want to ask him is, am I following your word right? Yeah. But I don't have to ask him that because he's given me the word. And, and so to me, that would be kind of like when our children ask us something and we give them an answer and they turn around and ask him again. It's, well, what did I just say? Yeah. Well, if we ask God, am I following the word right? He could say, what did I say? Well, yeah. I've got the word here. Yeah, All I got to do is read it and do it. And so in a way, I really don't know what I would ask God because yeah. I've got his word revealed to me. I've got more revealed to me than I really it's going to take an entire lifetime. I can't still comprehend it all because of the design and nature of, of God's word. Is always, we're always learning more from it. So I really don't know what I would ask him. So I can kind of understand the 12% that had no idea what to ask. But I would like to think that it's because I'm studying, I'm applying myself, I'm learning and growing. I am reading the word to know what he's told me to do and trying to follow it. So I just don't know what to ask. Yeah. So... There's one way to answer this. You know, I, I don't know what to ask because I feel like God has thoroughly answered mm-hmm. the questions I I have. So that that'd be one reason why someone said, I don't know what I'd ask. Just like you said, I feel like I've got all the answers. On the other hand, though, my guess is that a big percentage of these people who said they didn't know what they would ask God. Sadly, it probably indicates that they're so out of touch with spiritual realities and they don't even know enough to ask a reasonable question. Yeah. And that's sad because we really have become a secular society. We've moved away from God. We, we, we don't, God's not in our thought processes as a people, generally mm-hmm. speaking. God, the thought of God is just so far removed from us that we, that, that, that kind of a question would just take someone completely off guard. They don't know what they would ask, mm-hmm. and that's sad. If that if that's the case, and my guess is that probably is a pretty probably high the majority there. Yeah, um, Kent says we need to commit ourselves to a devoted study of the Word of God to determine the important issues of life and eternity. Second Timothy two verse fifteen. Um, Dwight says some may not know what to ask God, and Deuteronomy twenty nine twenty nine is very clear. The secret things belong to the Lord our God, but the things revealed belong to us and to our sons forever that we may observe all the words of this law. Uh, he go, uh, Dwight goes on to say, uh, in prayer we can ask God for things above our control and give thanks for the things God has control over. Um, Daniel says, uh, James 1 verses 5 and 6, we can ask for knowledge and he will give it. You know, that's not exactly accurate. Uh, uh, James 1 verses 5 and 6 says we can ask for wisdom and God will mm-hmm. give it. There's a difference between knowledge and wisdom. God's given it. We can know. The knowledge is written down for yeah. us. I have to look for it and yeah. apply it to myself to gaining yeah. it. Yeah. But the ability to properly use it apply is it. wisdom and God said he'd give me that. Exactly right. And then we got <laughs> an email from Mohan in Chicago who, who just commented on this last question. He says, the Bible has all the answers God wants us to know, and the secret things belong to him. Therefore, that's a good response. You know, mm-hmm. I don't, it, it basically, and I think this is the right perspective that you uh, described uh, at the start of this question. I just feel like everything I need to know has been given me. I really don't have any questions to ask. And that's that's a good way to be. But, of course, the challenge is do it, live it. Put it in application, and that's harder. Kyle, any thoughts? Well, I mean, I don't know. I hope it. I hope it's coming from a, a place of you know. I don't. Not of lackadaisical, like well, I just don't really care what I would ask God. But 
No, I think that was a good study. I think we've covered it pretty good tonight. So. Yeah, I think those are important questions. I think they are important questions. And I think it's, I think that generally speaking, it's, it's appropriate to want to know the answers to things, but go to the source mm-hmm. and accept the answers they got to give. And I remember, and you mentioned this earlier, you know, as parents, you know, you give a child an answer and then they keep coming back wanting a different answer. Mm-hmm. I can remember my dad. I can remember him so often having to tell me, no is an answer. Yeah. I would ask him something, he'd say no. And then I keep coming back and asking and that, and he and he'd just say, No is an answer, and that's the answer you've got. You're gonna to have to accept it. And so when God has given us answers, we've just got to accept what he said. You know, as we've kind of talking before the service, uh the the program tonight, uh the people the places that we read about in the Bible where people actually had an opportunity to talk to God Typically, the response that you see is they're on their face on the ground in a prostrate position, overwhelmed by being in the presence of God. They're not playing 20 questions with him. And even throughout the book of Job where he's going on and on, if I could get a chance to talk to God, I'd get an answer. I'd get an answer. When he got a chance and God says, okay, now what have you got to say? He said, I don't have nothing to say. I've said too much already. I need to be quiet. And so I just don't get the feeling that if we had an opportunity to question God, from what the examples we see in the scripture, that that's what I'm going to be doing. I've more got the impression that uh, I'm going to be fell down worshiping and I'm going to be overwhelmed by being in his presence. I'm not really going to have anything to say. Yeah. And I mentioned <clears throat> earlier when we were talking about this money, you know, the, the children of Israel got pretty close to God at, near Mount Sinai. Mm-hmm. And they basically said, oh, we can't, we can't do Moses. You go talk to him yeah. for us. We, we can't deal with that. Yeah, we can't stand even <laughs> to listen to God. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's probably... Uh, sort of a, a, a silly survey, I suppose. But again, I think we can make some some points mm-hmm. from it. So we thank everybody for listening to the virtual Bible study tonight. Uh, remember to be on the air or online. And so as we come on the air next Thursday night, same time, same place, Lord willing, we'll have another edition of the virtual Bible study. Until that time, read and study your Bible every day. Live by it. You'll never regret it. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to the Virtual Bible Study, brought to you by the College View Church of Christ. The College View Church of Christ meets at 1618 Hampshire Pike in Columbia, Tennessee. If you are in the Columbia, Tennessee area, we encourage you to worship with the College View Church of Christ on Sunday mornings at 930 and on Sunday evenings at 6 o'clock. The College View Church of Christ also welcomes you to attend their Wednesday night Bible studies at 7 o'clock. If you have any questions about something that was said on tonight's broadcast or would like more information about the College View Church of Christ, please call 931-381-4567. That number again, 931-381-4567. Or for more information on the internet, visit collegeview.com. Be sure to tune into the virtual Bible study this time next Thursday for another informative study of God's Word.